I'm Dave Cauley, investigative journalist and host of the podcast, Cold. In October of 1985, a woman named Cherie Warren left work at a busy Salt Lake City office. To meet her estranged husband at a downtown auto dealership. She never made it home. Cherie's car surfaced weeks later in Las Vegas. In the parking lot of a hotel casino. No one knows how it got there. Strange. It was strange. Both Cherie's estranged husband and her boyfriend raised suspicion for investigators. I kind of thought that he might have done something. But no arrests were ever made. In Cold Season 3, we dig into double lives, make new connections in the case, and examine the difficulty raised by reasonable doubt. We want answers just as much as anyone else. They have creeps like that now, too, so nothing's changed. That's the new Cold Season 3, The Search for Cherie. Now available anywhere you get your podcasts. Inside Sources. Behind-the-scenes experience in Washington and around the world. Here's the opinion page editor of the Deseret News, Boyd Matheson, on KSL News Radio 102.7 FM and 1160 AM. Everyone, and welcome to Inside Sources. I am Boyd Matheson, opinion editor at the Deseret News. Great to be with you on a Monday. Great to be back from vacation. Uh, actually, not great to be back from vacation, but it is good to be back. A uh, lot of ground to cover, and we're going to cover it all the way until 3 o'clock today. So we'll take you all the way to Jeff Kaplan uh, this afternoon. And obviously it was uh, a lot happening over the weekend. Uh, the president, of course, setting off a, a little bit of a firestorm on uh, Sunday morning with another round of tweets that were uh, targeted at some of the uh, Democratic uh, female members of Congress. And uh, that has uh, lit uh, quite a fuse around the country. And uh, it was very interesting as I was watching this all uh, play out yesterday and, of course, into today as well. Uh, the first person I noticed on the Republican side to say anything, and I think to say the right thing, uh, was Representative Chip Roy from uh, Texas. Uh, just one of the, the great people that I was able to interact with in Washington, D.C., and uh, he's very kindly joined us uh, on the uh, news line today. Chip, thanks for joining us. Boy, how are you, my friend? <laughs> doing, doing great. And uh, you're a, a great representative of the state of Texas, a great member of Congress, uh, and your your focus is just doing the right thing. And I think that's it was such an interesting thing to watch over the weekend uh, that people were trying to conflate all of this into a all or nothing from one side of the aisle or the other. And and your tweet really, I think, got to the right issue. And that is in terms of what is the focus really all about. Uh, so just for our, our listeners, um, first, your, your tweet said, uh, POTUS was wrong to say any American citizen, whether in Congress or not, has any home besides the U.S. But I just as strongly believe non-citizens who abuse our immigration laws should be sent home immediately, and representatives who refuse to defend America should be sent home as well. Uh, tell us what your thinking was and uh, and kind of your approach to this uh, latest round from President Trump. Well, I appreciate you um, reading the tweet and so people can, see, can hear that and hopefully then go see that out there on Twitter. But uh, the main point here is that, look, the President of the United States is doing – uh, as much as he can with the tools that he has, with a recalcitrant Congress refusing to do their job to secure the border. I believe that he's doing uh, really, truly as much as he can, pushing ICE, pushing Border Patrol, and trying to enforce the law for the betterment of our nation to secure our border 
but also for the betterment of the migrants who seek to come here. And that's ultimately what, what I'll get to in a minute. I did think that in tweeting about certain members here who are obviously um, an obstacle to what he's trying to do and are often, um, I think, and I would agree with the president here, anti-American in some of the things that they're saying and doing and seem to have, a, have as much disdain for our country as they do, um, you know, want to say anything positive about it. I, I share that concern, but I didn't think the way he framed that was the right way to frame it in terms of, you know, quote unquote, going home to their, their uh, sort of ancestral homes or, or something along those lines. Because at the end of the day, uh, these are my colleagues here who are United States citizens. They're representing their districts. And, um, and, and I start from that premise. And so their home is the United States. Now, we may or may not share values uh, that I think reflect the core American values that I know that I'm fighting for for Texas 21 and that I think most Americans share. And um, that's what I was getting to in the second two points, which is we need to make sure that we're securing the border for the betterment of our nation and the migrants who seek to come here. And you and I have talked about this before. It's a shame that we're allowing the politics of all of this to create an environment where you find a situation where a father and son are dead in the Rio Grande River, you know, feet from the, 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 the line trying to come to the United States because they drowned, or the, the daughter who died of the woman that I talked to in the hearing last week. It is a tragedy that we're allowing that to happen. It is equally a tragedy, or, or even more so because they're American citizens that we're entrusted to protect. When someone like Jared Vargas gets murdered in San Antonio 13 months ago, and his sweet mom, Lori Vargas, is coming to Congress saying and talking to me, why is this happening? Why are you uh, caught, released, caught, released, then you get out and you murder my son? Not one guy, that one son, Jared Vargas, who's no longer here for his mother, that is what helps motivate me to want to stand up and fight for the people of Texas 21. And then the last point that I was trying to make is when you are a representative, when you're in Congress, it is incumbent upon you to stand with America, to say anything. For example, with the, what happened in ICE uh, in Aurora, Colorado, with the American flag being pulled down, being uh, defaced with uh, you know no ICE or, or, or abolish ICE written on it and turned upside down in a Mexican, Mexican flag raised. Well, I'm sorry. I will be pretty blunt to say that the people who did that, I will be happy to buy them a one-way ticket to wherever the hell they want to go out of the United States. I think that is wrong. But I think we need to be careful about how we say things, and I think that that's why I wanted to say what I said. But the most important thing here is to uh, is to follow the rule of law and do what's best for our country and the, and the migrants who seek to come here. Yeah, if you're just joining us, we've got uh, Re- Representative uh, Chip Roy from uh, Texas uh, 21st uh, District there, uh, who was the first to come out uh, on uh, over the weekend and uh, and both say to the president, "Hey, there's a better way to do this." Uh, but also still addressing the issues that we actually have down at the border. Uh, and I think one of the the great challenges we have, Congressman, is that we have people on both sides of the aisle who are willing to just conflate everything uh, around the president. Uh, and so it's either you, you hate everyone who's not from this country uh, or has a different skin color uh, or you're for open borders and, uh, and you don't care about America. Uh, and I thought your principled approach – uh, I, I think is is really where we have to get because there is a lot of agreement within Congress uh, in terms of what needs to be done in terms of fixing the immigration system. Well, I'm glad you say that. And, and you know, something that, you know, I as a Texan always like to talk about is I think the unique perspective that Texans have on immigration and our long, rich history of interaction and engagement with our uh, friends to the south of Mexico 
Um, you know, it's a long history, obviously going all the way back to the Alamo days, and, and we, we obviously separated fairly famously. Uh, but we've had a long, rich history of people coming and going across the border. Uh, it's a part of who we are. You know, most people who grew up in South Texas or West Texas or all along the uh, anywhere near the Rio Grande, it was just part of life. You knew that. Um, but, you know, things started to get a little bit of change over the last 30, 40 years when our rules kept getting uh, more and more uh, the laws kept getting violated. More and more people were coming across. We weren't securing the border in a way that was meaningful to know who was coming and going. We weren't creating a workable kind of work plan where people could come and work and go back to Mexico. And now what we have is the abuse of our asylum laws, which are meant to help people in need who are being persecuted. They're now being abused very specifically for profit by cartels in order to move people through to the United States where there are sponsors here to pay the cartels, bring them to the United States in a way that is exploiting our laws that are meant to help a few people. But it's only about 10 to 12 percent of the people who go through the immigration judicial process that are ultimately determined to qualify for asylum. And that's the problem that we're dealing with here is that we're clogging the system with a whole lot of people who are being uh, brought here for profit. So this is kind of like Medicaid in a way, right? Where right now, because of Obamacare expansion, we've jammed the Medicaid rolls with so many people that aren't uh, supposed to be there that are healthier that the most sick and vulnerable aren't able to get the care they need. This is the problem. We're going to make it difficult for people who truly do need to seek asylum because we're have more flooded the zone and we have 100,000 people a month or 144,000 like we had in May coming across our borders. And we're unable to deal with the overcrowded nature of it and protect our country while also helping the migrants. Right. Absolutely. Well, uh, we're going to continue to follow this closely. And uh, as always, we appreciate Congressman Chip Roy from Texas uh, giving us a very principled approach and uh, a principled stance in terms of immigration, health care and, uh, and a host of other things. Uh, Representative, thanks so much for joining us on Inside Sources today. Take care, Boyd. All right. All the best. All right, there he goes, uh, Chip Roy, a congressman from Texas, uh, obviously very aware and very familiar with a lot of the issues down there at the border as part of his state. Uh, and again, I think he raises a really important point for all of us to keep in mind, and that is when we conflate these issues uh, and we make them about the people and the personalities, uh, that's where we, we really get off and everything becomes weaponized, everything becomes politicized, uh, and that's where the, the problems really dig in. All right, when we come back, we'll continue this conversation. We're going to continue to explore what does it mean, what's the right way to look at immigration, what's the right way to look at the president's tweets. Uh, stay with us right here on Inside Sources. We'll be right back. Inside Sources with Boyd Matheson on KSL News Radio. Welcome back, everyone. This is Inside Sources. I am Boyd Matheson, opinion editor at the Deseret News. Great to be with you on a Monday. Uh, we just wrapped up our uh, conversation with Representative Chip Roy from uh, the great state of Texas, uh, weighing in on uh, both the president's tweet and uh, some of the response there and how he sees things as a, being a border state. Uh, and some of the things that he's experienced uh, down there uh, along the Rio Grande. And as as we look at this, uh, I, I think it's so critical for us to really step back and separate all of the politics, all the rhetoric, uh, all of the heated things that go on that both sides are guilty of uh, that we'll we'll talk about in just a moment. Uh, but I want to get some framing in terms of what the politics really look like and sounded like following the president's tweet on Sunday. Uh, and let's start this with uh, Senator and presidential candidate Kamala Harris. 
This guy doesn't understand his, he doesn't understand his responsibilities, and I don't think he understands what the American people want from their president, which is somebody who's going to elevate public discourse and speak with a level of dignity, with a goal of unity. This president doesn't understand that, and that's why I'm running against him, and that's why he needs to go. All right. Uh, so I, I think what uh, Senator Harris hit there, I think, is the right thing, that it, that it does need to be about unity. I do think the president has a responsibility to elevate the dialogue and the conversation in the country. Uh, the president of either political party has the big bully pulpit. They can frame the tone. They can frame the the way we talk about things. Uh, and I think that's important. And I think President Trump has missed that uh, on a number of occasions, and uh, particularly in his tweet over the weekend. And uh, Kamala Harris took it one step further uh, and said this. It is absolutely racist and un-American. And it is an old trope. Go back to where you came from that, you know, you might hear it on the street, but you should never hear that from the president of the United States. Okay, so she took it all the way uh, to a, a racist quote, uh, an old trope, as as Kamala Harris put it, um, this idea of go back to your own country. And, uh, and she is right. You know, if, if you go all the way back, uh, you, you often did hear that. You heard that said to uh, Irish Catholics, uh, you, you've heard that said to a number of, of different ethnicities and religious groups, uh, over the years. And, and that is, that is what worries me is if we, if we allow this kind of conversation to be the driving force, we're never going to get to the principles and we're never going to get to the policies, uh, which to me is where we have to be committed to get with all of this. Uh, and a lot of it is a is a big distraction. Uh, so let's take a, a listen from the right. We had again, we had uh, Representative uh, Chip Roy on earlier, and uh, he he kind of framed it in terms of the the principal stand. How do we get to the real policy issues? Uh, let's let's go to Lindsey Graham, uh, Senator from South Carolina, who said this. Just, Mr. President, you're going to win. Just knock it down a notch. In what we, in what way? Well, we all know that AOC and this crowd are a bunch of communists. They hate Israel. They hate our own country. They're calling the guards uh, along our border, the Border Patrol agents, concentration camp guards. Uh, They accuse people who support Israel of doing it for the Benjamins. Uh, They're anti-Semitic. They're anti-America. Don't get down. Aim higher. We don't need to know anything about them personally. Talk about their policies. Okay, so I I think Lindsey Graham uh, may have got it half right and got it all wrong all at the same time. Uh, I think he started out with the the right idea in terms of, hey, let's let's take the people out of this uh, and let's get to the policy issue. But then he proceeded to call these members of Congress, uh, including uh, Ocasio-Cortez from New York, uh, who's sort of the ringleader of of this group, calling her a communist. Uh, and again, it doesn't move anything forward. So it, on one hand, Lindsey Graham is saying, hey, let's let's not get into the personal attacks. Let's not go back into people's heritage. Let's not tell people to go home and all of those kinds of things. Let's get to the policy. But then he proceeds to say, well, they're really just a bunch of communists and they, you know, they hate this about America and they're anti-Semitic and, and on and on and on. And that's why we continue to have this problem, folks is because we continue to allow this to happen. And and this is what we have to remember in all of this argument, is that as long as those on the left and those on the right are committed to convince us that we're too divided as a country, 
we're never going to solve anything. And guess what that does for both sides of the aisle? It ensures that they stay in power. And it ensures that they're able to raise hundreds of millions of dollars every single year using whatever it is, immigration today, health care tomorrow. Uh, they will continue to convince us that we're too divided because if they convince us of that, that we are too divided, it gives Congress the excuse to do nothing and it gives the president of either political party the excuse to do what they want by executive order. And that, my friends, is the problem. Uh, and so part of that comes back to uh, a we the people issue. We we have to quit accepting all of this uh, because we do. Uh, I said it before. We conflate everything into either a pro-Trump or anti-Trump piece of rhetoric. And there's a lot more to it. I'm telling you. Right now, in the United States Congress, you could get this done in an afternoon because people agree. Do we need border security? Of course we need border security. We're a country. Do we need to have a better entry-exit system? Of course we do. Do we need to have a way to allow those uh, who have come here legally and have gone through the system to make it more advantageous to them than to come in illegally, which currently that's the better route? Are, are we willing to have the real discussion uh, about changing some of the antiquated parts of our immigration system that, by the way, are very bipartisan in nature? I mean, you had just uh, two weeks ago, you had Utah Senator Mike Lee and Senator Kamala Harris, again, from opposite ends of the political spectrum, coming together to say, look, we can solve the H-1B visa problem. Let's get rid of some of those ridiculous caps that, again, penalize those who are trying to do it legally. Or as Representative Chip Roy just said on our airwaves, that by allowing some to abuse the asylum laws, we are preventing those who need the asylum laws for their own safety and security from getting into the country. And so we, we've got to learn to just step back from all of this political stuff and all of the rhetorical stuff, and again, whether you love the president or whether you hate the president, whether you think the, that uh, Congresswoman Ocasio-Cortez is a communist or a socialist or anything between, set that aside. Let's get down to the, the real issues as it relates to immigration and do it right because there is great agreement on both sides of the aisle that these things could get done, but both parties would much rather have a wedge issue than build a bridge issue. Why? Because they want to maintain power. And until we can get past that, we're going to keep having these conversations. And yes, do we need to call the president out on his rhetoric? Absolutely. We should do it six ways to Sunday uh, because it's not helpful and it doesn't move the country forward. And I agree with Kamala Harris it is part of the job of the president of the United States to use the bully pulpit to elevate the conversation, to focus. You know, we're going to we're going to celebrate during this week uh, the Apollo 11 moon landing. Talk about uniting a nation. Uh, can we get there? We're going to have Doug Welks join us uh, here a little later on in the program uh, to talk about Apollo 11 and the uniting of the country. And is that even possible anymore? But presidents can do that. And we have to expect it from the White House. We have to expect it from Congress. 
we have to expect it from our own representatives all the way down to the local level and especially at the local level. Uh, we can have these conversations. We can we can solve big problems. We can do really challenging things in this country. That's the basis of what America is all about. We're going to continue this conversation. I'm going to stay here all the way till 3 o'clock today on an extended version of Inside Sources. I am Boyd Matheson, opinion editor at the Deseret News. Don't go anywhere. Robin Biro, Democratic strategist, will weigh in on the 2020 race coming up on KSL News Radio.